Hello and welcome to episode 77 of Employment Law Matters, my review of 2020. A slightly unusual episode here. In the wee hours of the 27th of December, 3.40am to be precise, I was interviewed on LBC Radio by Clive Bull, a very good friend of mine and the chap with whom I used to present the Legal Hour on LBC for many, many years. Nobody listens to the radio at 3.40 in the morning, particularly between Christmas and New Year. So what I did is I spoke frankly about a number of things that happened to me during 2020, and it's reproduced here for you to listen to. You'll hear what life was like for employment lawyers in 2020 and how courts cope during covid You'll hear about the most profoundly moving moment I've had on LBC. And you'll also learn the guilty little secret that I keep from my wife. This is material very few people have listened to. I hope you enjoy it. It's reproduced with permission from LBC. And you can listen to LBC at www.lbc.co.uk, FM 97.3 or DAB Radio. Welcome to Employment Law Matters with Barrister Daniel Barnett. Now, uh, over the next week or so, and I'm on all over the uh, the New Year period, um, New Year's Eve day and the day after from one till four, and I will be talking to some of our experts and specialists here at LBC about their year, their 2020. And right now, we're going to hear from... Uh, one of my favourite experts on LBC, Daniel Barnett, the barrister from Outer Temple Chambers and uh, presenter now of the LBC Legal Hour on a Saturday evening. So, how has 2020 been for Daniel and the legal world? Well, on, on a personal level, it hasn't been too bad, actually. My, my family's been very lucky not to be hit by covid uh, I've always been able to work remotely other than when I'm in court. And I'll, I'll tell you a bit more about that in a second. And uh, counterintuitively, the, the area of law I specialize in, which is employment law, is completely anti-cyclical, which means that when economic times are really good, uh, people move straight from one job to another. They don't bother suing their ex-employers. And if they do, their employers are flush with cash to reach a settlement. So there's not that much work for employment lawyers. Whereas when economic times are bad, like this year, it's exactly the opposite because uh, when people lose their jobs, and of course, more people than normal have been losing their jobs this year, when people lose their jobs, they can't move straight to another job. So they have heavy periods of losses of earnings. So they have bigger value claims. The employers don't have the cash to settle the claims, even if they wanted to, which means the employers are motivated to fight cases rather than paying up, both of which combine to mean there's actually more work for employment lawyers, which is why employment law's always been anti-cyclical. Now, the, the, the big problem for lawyers of all shapes and sizes was that in the middle of March, when the country closed down, so did the courts. Mm. And if you're a solicitor or you're a lawyer who does mostly paperwork from an office, that probably doesn't matter too much. But if you're a barrister like me and the vast majority of your work is going to court representing people and arguing cases, if the courts are closed, there's nothing to do. 
So March, April, May, they were pretty barren for most lawyers. But from about May and June, the courts did what nobody thought they were going to do for about the next 10 years, (laughs) which is they suddenly worked out how to hold internet-based hearings. Now, they don't use Zoom because Zoom's not secure enough, but they have a system called CVP, Cloud Video Platform. It's basically Zoom, but developed by the Ministry of Justice, so not quite as good. And it, (laughs) it means that judges and lawyers and witnesses can conduct court hearings over the internet virtually. And it's been quite a ride because inevitably in cases, certainly in the early days of using the system, People struggled to log on. People struggled to stay on because broadband went down. Sometimes you'd be in the middle of a of a speech or a submission and the internet would fail and you'd be panicking that the judge has thrown out your case while you're desperately trying to log back in again. But those problems ironed themselves out. And the system's now working very, very well. Most tribunal hearings are done remotely. An increasing number still quite a small number, but an increasing number are being done back in courtrooms again, where they have socially isolated courtrooms. With most of them, they tend to knock three courtrooms through to make one much bigger room to give room for everybody. And the system's slowly beginning to start up again. It's interesting, isn't it, how so many areas of life have have changed and that they were probably going to change anyway but they it sort of sped up the change uh, i mean do you think this would have happened in in the legal system anyway that you would have had a bit more kind of online participation that kind of thing I think it's accelerated what was going to happen or what was probably going to happen by a good decade. But of course, one never really knows because there have been discussions and investigations into online courts for 20 years. The big issue at the moment is artificial intelligence. Can you have a computer to judge cases as opposed to an individual or That's still slightly in the realms of sci-fi, but what is becoming much bigger in America, not so much here, but in the United States, is using artificial intelligence to predict the result of appeal cases where uh, computers have been fed, a bit like Deep Blue was fed with every possible chess move, computers have been fed with every American appeal case over decades and they use that information to artificially intelligently predict the outcome of a current case now it's still very much in its infancy but that's one of the big areas where uh, scientists and data analysts are looking to try to digitize and um, computerize the law in a way that just wasn't possible a few years ago that i've seen i'm sure at least one episode of black mirror that that is completely along those lines where the the judge is actually a computer um uh, yeah i wouldn't be surprised if we head that way you know um and in terms of uh, the justice system generally people tell me that there's a still a massive backlog though uh, and in fact there was um before the pandemic and and now it's even worse everything's really going slowly that that's right it's there's been a backlog of cases for a long long time the criminal justice system in particular, but also the civil justice system has been hugely underfunded for the last 20 years, which means that the backlog's been getting longer and longer. The number of cases where things just go wrong administratively increases. Um, But because of the shutdown in March, April, May, June, 
it's just meant that there have been a further four months when no cases have been heard at all, increasing the backlog. And since then, fewer cases are being heard, increasing the backlog. Balance that against the increase in the numbers of cases, particularly in areas like mine, employment law, where more people are losing their jobs and more people are bringing claims. And you get quite a deeply accelerating curve when you look at the number of cases that are stuck in the system, plotted onto a chart. And you must have been really busy as well because the law, especially in employment, has changed so much. With all these things about uh, furlough and self-employment and so on, which I know you've been giving people listening to LBC a lot of advice on, is that actual changes in the law or, or does that have to go through court or, or is it just a, a sort of guidebook that you work from? Well, furlough's been a nightmare for lawyers. When it was first announced, uh, it was announced by proclamation from the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, and we had no details yet. All our clients were ringing us up and saying, what's happening? What's happening? And then back in March, April, every few days, HMRC was issuing fresh guidance to build on the scheme because they they were writing this as they went, which is understandable. Uh, They were issuing fresh guidance every few days, developing how the furlough scheme would work, but changing guidance. So the guidance on a Saturday might contradict what had been issued a week earlier. And it was really, really tough keeping up with those changes because what the government wasn't doing was saying we've changed X, Y, Z. They just completely replace a 75-page document and you had to go through them side by side and try and work out what had changed. And that was just back in March and April. Since then, we've had three further versions of the furlough scheme. We've had flexible furlough, we've had reinstated furlough and we've had extended furlough, each with different rules and regulations. And we've had to come to grips with all of those. Now, I'm not suggesting that it's... Uh, something where people should go, oh, look at those poor lawyers, because, of course, we've (laughs) had jobs, we've had work to do, Mm. and we're much, much better off than so, so many people. But it has been something where we've had to learn a lot of new law very, very quickly. And it's not just there. Another area is is health and safety law, because uh, there's a section of the Employment Rights Act, which has, well, in 25 years of practice, I'd never used it. It's the section that says that if you get dismissed because you've stayed away from work in circumstances where you reasonably fear serious and imminent danger, you've got a claim of automatic unfair dismissal. Now, that was designed for coal mines. It wasn't designed for COVID. Uh, But suddenly, that section of the Employment Rights Act has become the big section that everybody who wants to stay home and not travel into the office has been relying on if they're dismissed. And so from no claims under this um, law in the last 20 or 30 years, or at least a handful only of claims, suddenly claims under this law are coming out left, right and centre, and all employment lawyers like me have suddenly had to get to grips with it. So that's just another example of something that's not new as such, but it's suddenly become something we need to know about. But it's great because it gives opportunities, first of all, to help people who don't know about these rather obscure laws. Uh, It also means that during the time when the courts were closed, some people in my position were able to train up others in these areas of law. And for those people, that was a useful source of income when other income had dried off. Um, And ultimately, lawyers have to keep up to date with changes in law. It's what we do. It's why people pay us money. 
And you've been presumably working from home and not going out very much. Is there anything you've really missed over the last nine months? I mean, most of us, I guess, uh, have been in that position. What would you say you've really missed? Do you know what my guilty secret is, Clive? I love the theatre. I particularly love West End musicals. Ah. And just occasionally, although I wouldn't tell my wife this, just occasionally I'd slope off to see a matinee on my own (laughs) when I'd tell other people I was actually going to a law library to go and do some research. (laughs) That's what I miss. Yeah, well, I I guess any theatre fan's going to miss that because uh, there's been pretty much nothing. Um, for for nine months, Do, are you fearful that it, it it won't get back to where it was? Because I I, th- I look at those West End theatres, and I like going to the theatre sometimes as well, and they're so unsuitable for for social distancing. But apart from a few modern ones, they're they're packed all the time. You, you're packed I like and sardines. I, I thought it was a I thought it was a big mistake to reopen them. And I'm I'm terribly sad that given a few shows such as Six, for example, and the Les Miserables concert uh, and Jamie, they reopened. But they reopened for a few days and suddenly they've had to close again. And it's terribly sad for the cast and the crew. But I think it was a mistake to open them uh, earlier this month anyway, because if I was going to the theatre, yes, I might think that the theatre's done a good job of pulling out every other seat so as to social distance, Mm. but I wouldn't have confidence that the person sitting diagonally behind me would keep their mask over their mouth and their nose for the entire performance when the lights have gone down. And every time someone in the audience coughed, I'd just be getting very, very anxious. Yes. Well, I I get like that just going to the theatre normally before the pandemic. There's always people coughing all the time. Uh, So for me, I'm really hopeful that next year... Uh, there, there will be some theatres open and there'll be uh, other entertainment. Let's fingers crossed. Um, in terms of uh, the rest of the year, lots of gloom and doom. Is there a highlight for you, something great that's happened this year as well? For example, um, you're now on Saturday nights every <laughs> every week at, uh, <laughs> at nine o'clock. <laughs> I can't believe I had to pause to think of something. <laughs> yes. Um, after about 12 years doing the legal hour um, with uh, other presenters, you being one for the last five years, Clive, Ian Dale before that, um, LBC um, amazingly um, decided to give me my own show. So I now present the legal hour solo on a Saturday night at nine o'clock. Uh, it's a tremendous opportunity to be able to help people and i love doing it there's nothing like that trip on a saturday night into london although for the last couple of months it hasn't been that pleasant because the studio which is in leicester square uh can get quite busy in the environs outside where lots and lots of 20 somethings are gathering around breaking social distancing rules around leicester square yeah yeah, and, and, and just making, I think, lots of people feel uncomfortable. But in the studio, it's it's great fun. I love doing it, and I love the chance to be able to help people, uh, as I've been doing for a number of years yeah. now. I think that pregnant pause was, as you were thinking, now do I say it's been so much fun to spend more time with my family at home? But uh, <laughs> but, but actually, it, it, the legal hour is a bit of a highlight. It's fantastic that you're now part of the LBC uh, presenting team as well. And um, I thought we should just mention as well one of the great achievements a lot of people don't know about with that show and obviously you're helping people all the time every week 
uh, Saturday at uh, 9 p.m. But the, the one that I think we'll both really remember is is where you actually cleared someone's name. Um, and and it uh, that made real legal history, didn't it? Yes. Um, Stephen, Stephen Simmons, he was convicted of mail fraud when he was about 17 or 18. Uh, and that was 30 or so years ago. He served a little bit of time in Borstal, not very long, but he spent the next 30 years trying to clear his name. And he phoned you and me on the LBC Legal Hour and said, uh, I was wrongly convicted 30 years ago. What should I do? And I, I just gave advice, which I thought was probably more common sense than legal advice, which was just try Googling the name of the chap who arrested you because he, he said he'd been set up. Try Googling the name of the chap who arrested you and see what comes up. Mm. And it turns out the, the chap who was a detective inspector in British Transport Police had been arrested and convicted for fitting up a number of different people. So he went off to the Criminal Court of Appeal. He got his conviction quashed. Uh, the, the court was very, very apologetic to him. So he totally cleared his name, something he'd been wanting to do for 30 years. And I think the really lovely end to the story, Clive, was when you had him in the studio. He came in to, to meet you and have an interview with you on air. And we'd arranged for me to turn up and surprise him in the yes. studio. So uh, you were chatting with him. I walked in behind him. Uh, he turned around and his jaw just dropped. Um, and, and we had a lovely chat uh, for about 15 minutes on your show. Uh, and that was just incredibly rewarding and moving. Yes, fantastic. And, and as you say, it wasn't particularly uh, complicated legal advice. It's like when somebody calls up the... The, the technology phone in and they say, well, have you tried switching it on and off? Um, but, the, but actually, <laughs> uh, Googling it was a really good idea and, and it sort of changed his life really, didn't it? It did. So much of law and so much of legal advice is just common sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I might know what the books say. I might know what a judge might be likely or unlikely to do, to do in particular circumstances. But very often when people get involved in a dispute, they become so focused on the emotional aspect of it, that sometimes they just struggle to see the wood for the trees. And a, a lot of the job that a lawyer does is to help a client see the big picture and realise that sometimes settling the case or not pursuing a particular line of argument as much as they might be driven to do so is actually long-term in their best interests. The best example of that, and, and it sounds so simple, but this is advice I give to so many people, is, uh, and I'm making up figures here, um, this person's willing to settle their claim for £20,000. You can fight it and win, but it'll cost you £30,000. You can fight it and lose, in which case it will cost you 50000 the 30000 on legal fees and the 20000 you have to pay, why not just pay the 20000 It'll be done, it'll be done quickly, and it's the cheapest of all the options. And people don't like hearing that sort of thing. It's ultimately just common sense, but when they think about it a little bit, they realise, well, whatever the law says, whatever the rights and wrongs, whatever the emotional factors pushing me to litigate as opposed to just move on with my life and get on to the next thing – Maybe the best thing to do is just to put it all behind me, settle the claim, and if it's a business, go on and keep earning money some other way. That's Barrister Daniel Barnett. Very interesting to have a good chat with Daniel, and you can hear him every Saturday evening, 9pm on LBC. 
That was broadcast on LBC Radio on the 27th of December 2020. Thank you to Global Radio for permission to reproduce it. Do listen to me every Saturday night on the LBC Legal Hour at 9pm. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Employment Law Matters. Bye-bye. Any information on this podcast is for general guidance only. Always seek legal advice. Please see full terms at www.danielbarnett.co.uk forward slash podcast terms.